Well, good to see you this morning at Eastside Baptist Church. Let me ask you a question before we get started. How many of y'all had a great Thanksgiving? Raise your hand. Amen. How many of y'all um, ate too much? Got too much? And threw away too much? Okay, good. I saw all these hands. Now, at the end of the sermon, I expect you to be at the altar because today's message, I'm going to speak on gluttony. Okay? I'm going to talk about greed, gluttony, and garbage. No, I'm not. Okay. Because I would have to be at the altar too. If you would, take your Bibles and turn to Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 1. The last time I was here, I talked about let's praise the Lord. Today I want to talk to you about prayer. Because I think that's one of the things that we have that's in our toolbox that so many times we don't effectively use right or correctly. And so I want to challenge you today, as we look at this message, the book of Nehemiah, found in the Old Testament, that we will find something that will teach us and draw us to a closer relationship with our Father. And so if you have a copy of God's Word, if you would, would you stand in honor of it? Let's look at this last part of verse 11 of chapter 1 in Nehemiah. Nehemiah. Chapter 1, verse 11. Here's what it says. Nehemiah says, Now I was a cupbearer to the king. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, will you teach us by your Spirit? Will you draw us to a closer relationship with you? Father, help us to hear from you because my words are not important, but your words are. And so, Father, by your Spirit, will you draw us to a relationship that understands the truth of the Word of God? And, Father, as your Word says, let us have ears to hear what the Spirit is trying to say. We thank you for this church, and we thank you for the leadership that's here. We thank you for Dr. Brady, and we thank you for his family. We pray, Father, that they will have a restful time. Thank you for his trust to me that he has allowed me to preach the Word of God behind this sacred desk. And I pray, Father, you'll bless Indeed, you'll minister to us through the power of your Spirit. And I pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, who is and always will be our Lord and Savior. It's his name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now let's get started. Here it is. Nehemiah is a person who's been placed in a captivity. But he's been placed in a place of prominence. And what a great place he is at. But sometimes we don't look at things the way that God wants us to look at it. Do you agree with me? Sometimes we look at our circumstance and we think to ourselves, good grief, what is God up to and why has God placed me here? What is God doing? Nehemiah could have been a, a great Jew boy who lived in Jerusalem, who could have grown up, married a Jewish girl, and went on to serve the Lord in many capacities. But God saw a different path for him. God saw a different direction for him. And many of the people that Nehemiah knew were brought into captivity. And they were placed in a place that they didn't desire to be. But also God recognized that they were going to be faithful and remain faithful to him. And even in the tough situation, God elevated him and others like him to a place of providence. Now, you might be saying to yourself, well, is a cupbearer very significant? Well, let me ask you a question. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to be a cupbearer 
But God placed Nehemiah as the cupbearer. The cupbearer was a great guy. You know what he had to do? He had to test everything before it went to the king to make sure it wasn't poison. How many of y'all want to sign up for that duty? Okay, just think about President Trump. Being the cupbearer to President Trump. Right? And Nancy Pelosi is making him a Thanksgiving meal. All right, so we, we understand where Nehemiah is, but I want you to understand, I read that last verse for us to understand this. Sometimes we have to accept the position that God has got us in, but always look for where God is working at so we can join Him in the process. Henry Blackaby said something like that in Experiencing God. But here's, a, here's something I want us to learn today, and I believe that many of us really do understand this, that the, tr uh, the truth of the matter is, prayer is a powerful tool. Prayer is a powerful tool. But sadly, here's another point, is that many of us as Christians do not use it properly or effectively. We have thrown that word out, prayer, many times. When a tragedy happens in America or around the world, we hear our, our politicians say, pray for these people. Pray for this. Many times we don't understand what prayer is all about. We haven't taught our children what prayer is all about. We have taught our children that you need to pray about when you are going through a tough time. But let me tell you something. Prayer is a time of worship too. Prayer is a time that you get in communion with God and you, you listen to God and God speaks to your heart and God does a mighty work in your life as you begin to pray and to commune with our God. Here it is. Here's what I want you to grab today is this. Prayer can change the heart of an individual. But more than anything else, prayer will change our hearts and attitude about people. In fact, God's Word says you can't pray if you hold hatred or animosity or harm toward an individual. Prayer is something that we have to come before God and we have to really acknowledge first who God is. He's holy. He's righteous. He's gracious. He's merciful. He's all-knowing and, all, and He's everywhere. He is God. There is no other God like our God. He is God. We have to acknowledge Him. But we also have to come before Him with confession. Remember Isaiah? In Isaiah chapter 6, it basically is the calling of Isaiah into ministry. In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah went into the temple and he saw the train of the road fill the temple and the seraphims flying around crying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And Isaiah said, Woe is me, for I am a man with unclean lips and I live among people with unclean lips. Let me let you know something. I don't care how long you've been saved, you still are a sinner. You still mess up. You still do things wrong. So if you're going to pray right, you've got to acknowledge who God is. You've got to confess your sins. Not everybody else's. You've got to get real with God. 
You got to confess what you've done. What has happened in your life. And then you got to come before him with thanksgiving, with a thankful heart. Then you can start praying for others and yourself. That's what prayer is all about. But I want to let you know, when you start praying for your enemy, it changes the way you look at your enemies. It changes the whole atmosphere. Nehemiah could have had a bitter heart. He could have been in a place that says, I don't care what happens to this king. I don't care what happens to this country. I don't care what's going on around me. i got to look out for me, myself, and I. But Nehemiah did not have that heart. In fact, we find some things that I want to teach you today. I believe that there's three things that we need to learn if we're going to have a powerful prayer life that we can use. To be a person of prayer, you must have the right information. One of my professors at New Orleans used to tell us all the time, he said, guys, listen to me. If you aim at nothing, you will always hit it. My dad was an avid bird hunter, loved to quail hunt, used to train bird dogs. My brother Ricky, my brother Mike, and myself used to go hunting all the time, and I was probably the worst shot of all of them. I couldn't figure it out. I had the same type of gun. I had the same type of shells. It had the same amount of ammunition that I could pull the trigger three times, and if I took my plug out, no, I couldn't do that. Uh, you could shoot three times, right? And the birds get up, and I go to shoot, and I shoot, and nothing, nothing. And my dad would go, I got one there, my brother there, there. And I'm going, why can't I? And my dad finally pulled me to the side, and he said, Greg, when the, when the quail get up, what are you doing? I'm shooting. He says, I know that, but what are you shooting at? Whatever's in my way. He said, Greg, let me teach you something. If you really want to hit something, you've got to make sure you aim it at one item at a time. You need to pick out one bird, stay on that bird till you see it drop. Listen, in our prayer life, a lot of times we just shoot the gun and hope that God's going to take care of everything. Don't we? Sometimes our prayer sounds like this, uh, something like this. God bless all the people. God save the world. God get me out of debt. We just shoot it out there and hope somewhere along the line it's going to come back and God's going to go, all right, there you go, I'll honor that. But the truth of the matter, if we're going to be a person of prayer, we have to have the right information to be able to pray. Look at verses 1 and three, through 3 in verse 1. Here's what it says. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Halakiah, now it happened in the month of Cheslev in the 20th year as I was in Susa, the citadel. That Hananiah, one of my brothers, came with a certain man from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the providence who have survived the exile, listen to this, is in great trouble 
and distress or shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. Now here, let me get you the picture. Nehemiah is a place of providence. He's, he's real close to the king. He walks out and he sees one of his brothers from Hananiah, his brother from Jerusalem, his, his, his brother he calls Hananiah. And he knows where Hananiah's been. And he asked him, what is going on? Let me tell you something. If you're going to be a person of prayer, you have to care enough to ask. I know how we are. I'm as guilty as anybody else. When we ask people in our southern state of Georgia, in the deep south like Claxton, Georgia, we probably ask people, how are you doing it? Before they even get it out of their mouth, we go, I'm doing fine too, and keep on moving. We really don't want to really know the knit and the gritty. We don't want to know because guess what? Our plates are full too. And we find ourselves really trying to balance everything around our lives and what God wants us to understand. There's a lot more than just what happens in my circle. There's things happening everywhere. God wants us to have an understanding of that He is in control of all things. But God wants us to understand that we need to have the right information and we have to care enough to really get serious about prayer. I used to do this. People used to come up to me when I pastored and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? And I would say yes. And before I got to the car, I never forgot what they asked me to pray about. Have you ever done that? Now I take the time to say, let's pray now. Because we have to have the right information if we really want to pray effectively. Guys, I don't know how it is at Eastside Baptist Church, but in most Baptist church, I'm an associational missionary for two associations. So I go to a lot of different churches. And when you go in there, you see a prayer list about that long. And then you start asking people about that. Most of the time, people don't even remember why they were placed there. What's going on in their lives. But they stay there. And we think by putting them on that magic prayer list, everything's going to be taken care of. And we don't realize that if we really want to pray about somebody, we need to have our own prayer list. We need to have the right information so we can pray. Here it is. He cared enough to ask God's sovereignty is evident here. I want you to see that. At the right moment, at the right time, Nehemiah and Hananiah run together. I believe this. It's not by chance that people come together. I believe that God's working all the time. I believe God is drawing people together. I believe that God puts people in the places that he needs to put them in. The hurricane that just went through the panhandle down in West Georgia. My heart was broken for the people down in West Georgia. And I called one of my pastor friends and asked him because I knew he used to serve down there. Do you know anybody? Can you get a hold of him? He said, I don't know 
many people down there, but I have a Facebook contact. Can I, I'll get him your, your number. And so he, he gave me that, and I got this guy's number, and I began to call him up, and I said, his name is David Williams. He's at Iron City Baptist Church. And I called David up, and I said, David, we're in southeast Georgia. I got a group of people that want to come help. And David said, please come. And we began to work and we began to minister and we began to do all these things. But I really didn't know the, the whole picture of this. See, the whole picture was this. David was at his last step almost in ministry. He was discouraged. He had two small boys and his wife. He has shared the gospel throughout Iron City. He's got a map of that city, and it's not a big place. It, let me give you a picture. It's smaller than a little whiskey. Okay, that gives you a good picture. And inside of the sanctuary, he has a, a map of his city with every house on that map, and it has a light bulb for every house in that community. And they light up the light every time they get to share the gospel there. But he hadn't seen any fruit. He hadn't seen anything come about. He didn't know what God was doing. And then in the midst of this, he was discouraged. He was depressed. Everything was going wrong. And then all of a sudden, he finds himself in the middle of a Category 3 hurricane when it went through Iron City, huddled in a hallway with his wife and his 3-year-olds and his 3-year-old and his 1-and-a-half-year-old. Didn't know what was going to do. What was going to happen? He was there. His church family basically hadn't even checked on him. And we called him up. And we began to minister to him. And David shared this from his own words at the Georgia Baptist Convention. And he said, I was at my last rope until Greg Bentley and Eric Rents called me up and began to minister to me. I want to tell you something. I still believe it was the sovereignty of God that brought us together. God is all-knowing. God is all-powerful. God is at work everywhere. Here it is. I want you to see this. Hananiah, when he ran into Nehemiah, Nehemiah could have said, hey, how's things going in Jerusalem? And kept on walking. But Nehemiah stood there and listened to him. And when Hananiah shared what would took place in Jerusalem, what was happening in Jerusalem? I want to let you know, he rocked his world. Can I ask you something, my Baptist friends? When's the last thing that's happened to you? Or you heard something that's really rocked your world? Now, we live on a 24-hour news cycle, and that news happens all the time rapidly. But can I ask you a question? When has it rocked your world that Jesus is coming back and there are going to be people who's going to be left behind or not going to heaven? When's it rocked your world? When's it rocked your world that you haven't shared your faith with somebody that needs the hope of Jesus Christ in their lives? When's it rocked your world? Hannah and I have shared this information. Nehemiah's world was rocked. And he could have said, man, I'll just pray for you. But Nehemiah decided that he needed to do more than just say, I'll pray for you. 
He understood that God was at work and he needed to be a part of what God is wanting us to do. Nehemiah had a caring heart. You've got to care if you're going to really pray. And if you really truly care about people, you want to know the facts no matter how painful they are. Closing our eyes and the ears to the truth could be the first step toward tragedy for us all as well as others. Do we desire to know the information so that we can better understand how to pray, how to assist for the situation? So if we're going to be a person of prayer, we have to have the right information if we're going to pray right. The second thing is this. If we're going to be a person of prayer, we have to be willing to become an intercessor. An intercessor. Look at verses 4 through 9. And as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love Him and keep His commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I know I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants. Confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned, listen to that, we have sinned against you. Even, in, even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you command your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, through, uh, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of the heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. Now if you're going to be a person of prayer, you've got to have the right information, but you also have to be willing to become an intercessor, to intercede on behalf of others. Notice what happened in Nehemiah's life. The first thing when he heard what Hananiah said, he ran into his prayer closet, wherever that is. That prayer closet is not something structured. It's basically to get along with God. Go down on his knees. Stand with a heart that's humbled. And cry out, do you see it? Do you understand it? That Nehemiah heard this, he brought this world, and he began to pray about the information that he had received, and he understood there was a great need here. And he began to weep. Oh, man. I love to see when somebody comes to know Jesus Christ and they're weeping. 
I love to hear that. Man, I love, to, I love it when a church comes and falls at the altar and begins to weep for their church. Begins to weep for their pastor. Begins to weep for their leaders. Begins to weep for their community. Begins to weep for their nation. Begins to weep for their world. Until we have a caring heart, we really can't pray. We cannot even enter into the throne room of God if we don't care. Isn't that what God did for us? He saw us that we were sinners. That we were separated from Him. We had no hope. And He provided. When Jesus looked out over Israel and He began to weep, and he said, they're sheep that are heading to the slaughter for their sheep without a shepherd. Man, it just broke his heart. Man, we got to have a heart that cares. When God puts a burden on your heart, don't try to escape it. For if you do, you may miss the blessings he has planned for you. He has planned for you. And we all want to live in a bubble sometimes, don't we? I don't know about you, but sometimes I get tired of hearing the news. Nothing good. Nothing right. But we got to understand that God has a plan for you and He has a plan for me. And He didn't put you in this world at this moment, at this time, to sit on the premises, but to stand on the promises. That's what God's called us to do. He told us to challenge us. You have to care enough to pray. Alan. Redpath said this, there's too much working before man and too little waiting before God. We're busy. Man, we're busy. We're so busy. We're busy on Facebook and Snapchat and everything else. We're busy going here and going there. We're busy socializing and doing all this, but we're doing a lot of things before man, but we're not hearing and waiting on God. Isaiah says those who wait on God renew their strength. They mount up with wings of eagles. They soar to new heights. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to wait on Him. Prayer begins with adoration toward God. He said, man, I know who you are, God. You are great. You're awesome. Then he leads to confession of sin. Notice this. Isaiah didn't leave himself out. He said, we have sinned. I understand why we're in this situation. America needs to wake up. Our churches need to wake up. We're in a situation because we have forsaken the statues of God. We have quit obeying His commandments. To be a person of prayer, you have to intercede on behalf of others. Guess what? I'm thankful I had a mom and a dad that were born again believers that prayed for me. I'm the youngest of four kids. 
Some of you might be calling me a spoiled brat. That's your opinion, okay? Probably if you were to ask my three other siblings, they would tell you I was. But my, my, my oldest brother, Mike, my sister, Gail, my brother, Ricky, they used to tell, ask mom and dad all this. They, you know, you whooped us. You whooped us every time we did anything out of line. And my mom, man, she's just a person of wisdom. She's going on to be with the Lord now. She said, well, y'all have to understand this. See, there's a ten and a half years difference between my brother Mike. There's eight years difference between my sister Ricky and there's uh, uh, sister Gail. And my, there's five and a half years difference between me and my brother Ricky. Now, I don't know what happened in the time frame, okay? But I want you to understand this. My mom said this. She said, well, y'all know that when Greg came along, we were a lot older. And we were tired. Yeah. And so we decided to do something different with Greg. And I'm sitting there too. And they all looking at her. And we decided to pray for him. And I said, see, prayer works. Prayer works. It always works when people are praying on behalf of others. The story goes that in during the Korean War, there was a great battle. They needed to have a, a reconnaissance to be able to be put up on a hill to see what was taking place with the enemy. And every time they tried to send somebody up, they never made it up the hill. And so the, the, the commander said, we've got to have somebody up there. I know it's a dangerous situation. We've got to have somebody up there. Will anybody go? And it was silence. At 9 a.m., a private came to his commanding officer and said, I will go. And so they strapped him up and they got him ready. And he goes up that hill. And he does a great work while there. He makes it all the way there. He stays there and able to give the, the, the army, the military, the coordinates so that they can begin to strike effectively. He makes it back down. His commander calls him in, commends him for his work. And he says, son, i got to ask you one question. Why did you decide to go? And why did you decide to come into my tent at that moment at that time? He says, sir, I want to let you know that when I left to go into the military and when I left and knew I was coming to Korea, my Christian mom told me, she said, son, at 9 a.m., I will be on my knees praying for you. So I knew it wasn't the same time, but 9 a.m., she would have been praying for me. And I felt like I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Let me tell you something. You need somebody interceding for you. You also need to be an intercessor for somebody else. Here's the last one, and everybody said amen. Don't do it. Here it is. To be a person of prayer, you must be intentional in your prayers. Look at verses 10 and 11. Here's what it says. They are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. Oh Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant 
and to the prayer of your servants who delight and fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now, I want you to see something. If you're going to be a person of prayer, you have to have the right information. You have to be become an intercessor, but you have to be intentional. But I want you to see this. Notice this. I fail in this a lot of times, guys. Notice Nehemiah's confidence. I think my prayers sometimes lack faith. God's Word says we need to walk by faith, not by sight. I don't know what's going to happen around the corner. But I know this. My God reigns. I know this. My God is in control. I know this. God wants us to have confidence in Him. I know that. I preached this message the last time I was here. Remember, Paul and Silas was put in prison. Instead of sulking, they began to pray and praise. Sometimes I find myself not very confident in God because I'm up here doing this. In Psalms it says, fret not. Right? In other words, don't trip out. We do a lot of tripping sometimes, don't we? We do a lot of unco uh, unconsciousness that we say we really don't have confidence God's got this. When you pray, you have to be confident that God first hears and second is going to answer. Now I want you to understand this. I want to, I want to make sure I'm not leaving you confused. I had a guy that used to work with my dad. He was a brick mason. And he wasn't saved. And he, used to, he knew enough Bible to be dangerous. And he said this. He said, I want to let you know. I pray all the time. It says, ask and you shall receive. Right? Anything you desire, you shall give, be granted. And I said, well, you're taking that verse totally out of context. See, we got to have confidence that God hears because I do believe He hears. If we are not having, if we do not have sin in our life, it is blocking our prayers. Okay? God will answer. You better believe He will answer. He always answers. It's either yes, it's no, or wait. Unfortunately, I don't know how long to wait. We live in a place that we don't like waiting, do we? In fact, we see that because they're building a Burger King because they know you don't like to wait at McDonald's or Hardee's, so they build another fast food store, uh, place to go through. We don't like to wait. If we can't get our Big Mac the way we want it, we'll get the Whopper the way we want it. Amen? We don't like to wait. But I want you to understand this. When we pray, we pray with confidence. We pray that God hears. We pray that God will answer. And then this is the hardest thing that we have in our lives, guys. I tell people this all the time. We want to pray in the will of God, don't we? Don't you want God's will? Well, how many of us are really willing to accept what the will of God is? 
That's the hard part. That's the hard part. When I went into the ministry, my mom used to tell me, Greg, pray that you get a church in the mountains. I said, Mom, I know how God is. He'll send me to southeast Georgia. Prayer is an awesome tool, but many of us don't use it effectively or properly. We just shoot it out there and hope that it's going to stick somewhere along the line. And we're not praying seriously. And we're not praying openly. And we're not falling down and saying, God, I understand why. But God, I'm asking you, help me with my understanding of why. When, when we pray, we need to understand God honors the prayers of His people, especially when they pray in His will and under His Authority. You know what the will of God is. I'm going to tell you if you don't, God wants us to be holy people. God wants us to live in His righteousness. God wants us to live in His strength. God wants us to live in His power. God wants us to be a people that witness and witness and witness about his goodness and greatness to people who need to hear what a great God we serve. What a powerful God we have. God wants to give us what we desire. And God desires them to say he is confident that God was going to raise up workers. He was confident that God was going to work in the heart of Artaxerxes, who was the king. Here's Nehemiah. Listen to this. I want you to understand this. I preached this message at another church in a different slant, and the pastor said this afterwards because I talked about missions, getting involved in missions, doing things in mission. And I said, the first thing you need to do is pray. And that pastor said, I want to correct what Brother Bentley said. You don't need to pray about missions. That wasn't what I was saying. What I'm saying is that God wants all of us on missions. But everybody is not to be on the same missions. We need to pray where God wants us to be on missions for Him. And recognize that God will use anybody. Can you imagine a king, a Gentile king who had held people in captivity, who had placed them in this place, or the earth seas was the most powerful man of that time. And Nehemiah had enough confidence that God was going to do something. He didn't know how, but he knew what he needed to do the first step. He needed to pray to the one who already knew how. <laughs> he needed to pray to the one that already had it already figured out. And all he needed to do is trust God with the outcome. Can I ask you something today as we close? How's your prayer life? How's your prayer life? One of my staff guys that uh, was on staff with me told me about this guy, this little boy that was at their table. And they were sitting down to eat. Mom was there, 
family was there, and a little boy reached over and grabbed a, a biscuit, put it in his mouth and began to eat, and Mama got so embarrassed. Son, we got to pray before we eat. That little boy, you know what he said? He said, my God's so powerful, he can, he can bless it on the way down. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but sometimes, you know, we, we only pray at mealtimes. And a lot of times we use it for a sleep remedy. We pray until we fall out. Paul says we need to pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. We need to lift everything up in prayer. So can I ask you today, how's your prayer life? Do you care enough to pray for individuals and for others that you don't even mind even not even know yet? Do you care? And are you willing to take the extra step and get involved where God is working? Even, even if it's not popular. Even if you're not going to get any notoriety about it. Are you willing to become a person of prayer? I look around and I see the seats. I know, it's a holiday weekend. I understand all that. But are you praying for the people that should be in the seats? Are you praying? Then are you willing to do something about it, about going and asking them to come and be your guest? I'm not talking about swapping sheep. I'm talking about there's a love lost people in Evans County, I know, that need to know Jesus. Are you willing to get involved? And I believe it begins with prayer. And then God begins to turn and use you to show others what a great God we, we, we serve. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? I'm going to ask the, the worship team if they'll come up. Today, you say, well, brother, I'm here today and I've never trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I don't know what this message had to do with anything. Let me tell you something. You can't pray. You can't pray unless you have Jesus in your life. He's the only one that intercedes to the Father. So you have to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ before your prayers can be heard. Now there's one prayer that God does here. God saved me. I'm a sinner that needs salvation. And God will hear that prayer and honor that prayer. Here's what you need to do. If you prayed that short, simple prayer today and say, God, I know I need you. I need salvation. I need to come to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Then here's what you need to do. When the music begins and we stand to our feet, however they do the invitation here, I want you to just come forward and say, hey, I prayed that prayer. I'm asking Jesus to come in my heart today. I don't understand. I don't even know where the books of the Bible or I couldn't tell you where Nehemiah is or Ecclesiastes or any of them books. That doesn't matter. All that matters is you recognize you need the Lord. You need Him. You can't take another step this day without knowing that you are saved and secured in your salvation. Maybe that's you today. Maybe today you are born again believer in Jesus Christ. He's your Lord. Praise God. 
But maybe this message challenged you to understand that probably you haven't been a prayer warrior like you should have. You let other things occupy your attention and your mind. And it's all about me, myself, and I. I've been there. I've done that. Today might be the day that you say, God, here I am. I'm building an altar right where I am. Maybe you want to come down to this, this place of this stage and just pray before God, whatever you want to do, and say, God, forgive me. I want to be on board with you. I want to be a person that is used by you. Maybe that's what God's speaking to your heart today. Maybe you're here and you're visiting this church, but you've been visiting for a while, or maybe this is the first time you visit. And you haven't even met Dr. Brady yet. But you feel God's leading you to be a part of this church. I can tell you three things about this church. First of all, they don't have a perfect pastor. Second of all, they, they are not perfect people. None of them. But they worship and serve a perfect God. This might be the place you need to camp out at, be a part of, be, use your resources, use what God has given to you to bring glory to Himself through this community in Evans County at Eastside Baptist Church. Maybe God's calling you to be here. Whatever God's calling you to do, will you be brave enough and bold enough to take a stand? Today's your day. Today's the time. It's crunch time. It's today. Don't put it off. God's still calling. God's still knocking. God's still waiting.